0: Gordon Gabby Reinschmidt describes himself politically as an independent, but for a day in 1950, the World War II Navy veteran, who served on a gunboat in the South Pacific, became a communist. May Day in Mosinee 64 years ago remains one of the state's most unusual events. The Red Dawn-like takeover of the Marathon County city included checkpoints at the bridges leading into Mosinee's downtown, inflating the prices of food at Martin's Red Owl and the A.M.P., and removing some of the books from the library.
1: Welcome everyone to a
2: special episode of Wet Wired. Today we're honoring May Day. This is Sean Andes. And this is Julian Paul Butt. This is a very, very special day uh, where all of the Antifa generals come crawling out of their holes and We get to see if it's in fact going to be a long or a short struggle.
1: Six more decades of worker oppression. (laughs) (laughs) Before we get to uh, the rest of the episode, though, we have some May Day news. First off, the thing that I'm sure everybody has seen, we're going to talk about it because it has everything to do with the date. In Paris, the ongoing protests over Macron's extremely unpopular pension reform law, that's the law which, among other changes, raises the retirement age from 62 to 64 and was passed in April after weeks of nationwide protests. And those are the, you know, you saw the Paris reenacting the, uh, the burning house meme with all the people eating at the restaurant and there's literally a car on fire about 20 feet away.
2: <laughs> Another day in Paris. To
1: make this happen, Macron pulled a move that allowed him to bypass one of the houses of the parliament because he was pretty sure that this legislation wouldn't ever get passed. So he was able to just slide right around it using a pretty obscure rule that hasn't, I don't think it's been invoked since Charles de Gaulle. This obviously completely incensed a huge number of French citizens. So today, hundreds of thousands came out for the largest May Day protest in decades. And it also united most, if not all, of the unions in in France for the first time since 1945.
2: Well, I have uh, been tracking this in the People's Republic of Seattle, which was pretty mellow this time around. There's a little bit of rain. I didn't attend it uh, because by the time that I had finished my grocery shopping.
1: You've been tracking the French protests and you're talking about not attending them because you were shopping?
2: No, 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 no. Uh, I, I, I've i been tracking uh, uh, the various May Day protests. Okay, so let's, in, let's in start Paris, over
1: and say from the beginning.
2: Here in the People's Republic oh of Oh my God, not the, not the lame joke <laughs> part. <laughs> in Paris, they, they've been rioting for a long time. This, this was before it passed, and I mean past is even... Yeah, it didn't, yeah. Defense. It didn't
1: pass. Not. I mean, it seems like what Macron did was legal, but it was like terminally uncool, Basically
2: dictatorial. Yeah. Well, he's a fucking banker. That's that's where he comes from. That's his background before he became president. So of course he's gonna do shit like this. But in the U.S., we're we're also trying to roll shit back. I mean, they they riot over two years of. Uh, of retirement age. Meanwhile, in the United States, retirement, you <laughs> work till you die. That's that's the plan, is to die first. And uh, in Ohio, they're, they are making it le- more loose in their child labor restrictions than it has been in a really long time. They can work younger, they can work longer hours and later now, because apparently there is this shortage of workers. Right, that's the response
1: and, to the expose a few months ago about all of these children that are working illegally and employers who are breaking employment laws by hiring them. The response is, well, well, the, the trouble is, is that the 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 working age is too high. Yeah, that's that's the problem. We don't need kids in school. Well, you know, how about twelve? Maybe you know, maybe
2: ten and in some jobs. They're saying this Protestant work ethic shit, like. These children just need to have a a good uh, work ethic and they, they, they need to they need to learn discipline and, and uh, uh, morals from working later hours at this at their jobs. That's what they need. That's that'll get the whippersnappers in. These are the arguments they're making. This is
1: the only thing that they can do, though, because this this whole idea of nobody wants to work anymore. And, you know, this whole great resignation that this is the hangover from all of that type of thinking. The reason nobody wants to work anymore. And this is this is well-worn ground. But the reason nobody wants to work anymore is because there are a lot of shit jobs out there that do not adequately compensate the employees. And so people don't want them. So they've moved to other places, but it's not like they're not working. Look at the unemployment rate. They've taken other jobs. They want other, they've worked, they're working somewhere else. It's not like they're not working. They left to go work someplace else. That's why the unemployment rate is so low. It's because the, the all the people have gone to these other jobs.
2: Yeah. In here in Seattle of all days, they picked May 1st to, require uh, the the some of the amazon employees i'm not sure exactly the context but may 1st a lot of them had to go back to in office working again and and i couldn't pick a worse day for them to be forced to do that here there's there's usually I, i'm dead serious there's there's typically such uh uh rowdiness downtown seattle every year for May Day because of all the communists and anarchists and so forth that businesses will literally board up windows and close up in anticipation of the mayday protests from all i, I it, they seem to be i didn't attend but what i they seem to have been pretty mellow in seattle this year but previous years plenty of smash windows and, and things like that for mayday celebrations not so mellow in paris not so mellow in Paris. I can't, they, I can't. They know how to party. I can't
1: imagine Macron gets reelected after this. I mean, so There's what's no this way. guy's end game? I mean, he must. He must. This must have benefited him personally in some way that he doesn't have any. He doesn't really need to be the president again.
2: It seems like it's a a, a move that he was backed into, where where he really. Wasn't able to choose a better option while also satisfying people who are really pulling at the strings. I don't mean to sound conspiratorial, but I I, I mean powerful uh, economic interests.
1: Whoever is controlling him. I mean he. Yeah. This I I don't I don't I don't know. I don't need to. I don't need any facts to have my conspiracy theory, <laughs> but I can, you can't just look at the guy's actions and you can wonder, so what, what allows this to be possible? How can, how can somebody act so strongly against this, you know, against this outcome of running for reelection? He's here he is. He's, you know, he's a first term president. First term, right? I don't think he he's had two terms.
2: I think this is this no, this is the second term. This, oh,
1: that's right because he uh, barely won that second term. That's right
2: against against the nearly fascist woman.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, Le Pen and Le Pen. The uh, so. You know, he, here he is, like, can he even, is he even eligible to run again? Maybe that's it. Maybe there's a term limit and he can't even run again. I don't, I don't know about French, uh, about the French election system enough to know,
2: uh, to know that. I guess I could have looked that we, up. We faced this, we faced this once before. How many fucking republics have they had? This is the fifth. Are we on the fifth? Okay. Yeah, well, we might be on
1: the verge <laughs> of the sixth if he, if Macron keeps his shit up.
2: <laughs> Keep it up. The United States has maintained a, a... Relatively stable state for much longer than many other countries. I think we take that for granted, or, or don't know about the history of other modern states. Uh, Spain has had multiple different. I'm I'm hesitant to say government because in in thinking about the word government, you could consider the transition from one political party to another as two different governments, but but as as a as a single constitutional system that is more or less the same system with continuity
1: between one and the next I mean, con- it's that con- p- it's continuity. that peaceful transfer of power thing that it yeah. is not the same government necessarily but there's been it's it's not necessarily the same government but it is peaceful transfer of power between one one uh
2: one government one politician it, it, yeah
1: it is peaceful transfer of power between one government and the next so that is this that's this nice continuity this is not franco and a civil war that's not obviously the same thing. That is a that's a transition between one and the next. And and Spain went from a mar- monarchy in, you know, in in the last three two hundred and fifty years. I think it was a monarchy, and I mean they still have a monarch, uh, you know, at least a name, but he doesn't have any authority over anything.
2: Is it, it still one? Even, I think it's
1: still one Carlos II. Is still the the king of Spain.
2: Uh, have you heard that Moxie Fruvis song? Once I was the king of Spain. And then it's talking about going from being a, a king to a pauper by choice. It's very funny. It's very funny. But every time I, somebody says the king of Spain, I, I have Moxie Fruvis in my head. Uh, the, the Spanish Civil War is such a fantastic model of this. You had nearly every modern political ideology represented in that civil war in 1936. You had... Uh, the anarchists specifically the anarcho-syndicalists who wanted to utilize um uh, trade union power and and the industrial base as the main center of social order and social power to have direct democracy and run governments in direct democracy and uh, that was that was the CntFAi you had the fascists uh, uh, with with uh, Franco Francisco Franco on on the other side on the same side that the anarchists were fighting and they 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 held some pretty large regions they, it was it was pretty substantial uh and and operated uh the the trains and and administered government uh self government if you will uh autonomous direct democracy kind of government meanwhile you also had uh republican liberals uh which may be confusing in the United States to mix those words together but uh, people who wanted a republic and liberal style capitalism, and you had the big C communists that were really there, uh, uh, taking orders from the Kremlin. From I mean, from from Stalinist Stalinist Russia at that time.
1: International communists,
2: but international communists, big C communists, the and and others. That's where we have uh, some of the great art uh, authors of uh, the Lost Generation. Uh, who were fighting in that war, and and some of the greatest works of fiction about dystopias and and the the struggle against tyranny and totalitarianism specifically come from the experiences fighting Franco in thirty six, and everybody's experiment was on display, and the on the side against Franco, we had uh, the coalition of liberals, communists, anarchists. Uh, under the, basically the Republican umbrella that lost in part because it was before, uh, uh, September 1939 when Poland was invaded that dragged the allied, what would become the allied powers into the war. Prior to that, there's, there's non-intervention. The U S did not want to get involved. There's isolationism happening. And, and everybody wanted to just give Hitler whatever he wanted. So nobody wanted to intervene in this. Meanwhile, Hitler and Italy had no problem intervening. They were sending arms. They were, they were sent, Italy was sending troops to help the Franco fascists and they won. They, it was a fascist government uh, for decades after that. And we, we forget because they were officially neutral, but the, <laughs> some of the fascists won World War II and we just kind of skirt right by that. One more note about Paris, I I don't, I'm sure we'll touch back on, on Paris a little bit more. We'll kind of dance back and forth. This isn't super structured necessarily, but on the note of history, you have the Paris commune, which is almost the precedent, the, the origin of modern anarchist, Marxist, uh, uh, and otherwise socialist thought that's coming from the Paris commune. You, you read major authors like Kropotkin, Karl Marx. uh uh, bakunin and they're they're talking about how can we build socialism what does that look like and each of them is saying they're different versions of how do we get there and what does it look like when we get there but they're all referencing as their kind of point of reference their major historical point of reference the paris commune in in the 19th century and uh which also was crushed pretty pretty quickly
1: it lasted about 15 minutes
2: yeah. <laughs> enough for enough for two french cigarette breaks. <laughs>
1: and and it still managed to generate thousands of books.
2: Thousands. And it be, it really did become the inspiration, the model everybody fucking talks about it as 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 a, across across the political spectrum of the left as the as the center, the origin. But that's that's a story for another time perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> There, there's other places where, where some interesting things have happened besides Paris. They're not the, they don't have a monopoly on. No, you know, it, it
1: turns out that nobody wants to work anywhere. <laughs> they, like, in, in Istanbul, there's, there's tens of thousands of people protesting high inflation there. And, you know, and of course the Erdogan's response is to arrest the journalists that are covering the rallies. Uh, Chile and Indonesia have, have May Day demonstrations There's there there was been a recent strike in in Canada that actually just ended today where 120,000 federal workers were uh, were on strike trying to get an agreement with uh, with the federal government to to have their needs met. Uh, And Seoul, tens of thousands of South Koreans are marching against high inflation again and long working hours. Uh, Japan, pretty much the same some the same kind of situation. There, the, the new prime minister, uh, Fumio Kishida has a plan to literally double the defense budget. Literally, to literally double the defense budget. And meanwhile, their welfare programs are underfunded. They, they're demanding wage increases. Uh, you know, they, they're, they basically, the people have specific needs. They have, they, they want things. And and instead we're doubling the defense budget because r- really the, you know and that defense budget thing is one is that it's probably being encouraged by U.S. diplomats, and the other is that it is all part of this this uh, um, this growing uh, drive to portray China as this imminent threat that conflict with China is just inevitable. So all of the all of the posturing about Taiwan. All, you know, and and then and then this and then encourage, you know, my guess is encouraging Japan to increase their defense spending, to be able to to increase their uh, their defensive capabilities, because Japan is is constitutionally barred from having a standing army. They can have uh, defense forces. That's that's all they're allowed to have by their own constitution, because the U.S. basically wrote their constitution after World War Two and they, so unless they change that then they're still using the same document that the US helped write at the end of World War II. there's
2: there's a good there's another government that's not or state structure that's that's a constitution let's call it a constitution it's not even 100 years old
1: yeah and that's it's and not that, even that's what years old. yeah it's exactly the same thing that's what exactly we were talking about about how you can have a transfer of power and then you can have a transfer of power and in this and in this particular case you had this empire of Japan that catastrophically ended at the end of World War, marking the end of World War II, and then this new government, this new nation of Japan that emerged from all of that wreckage.
2: And in part, the uh, uh, the U.S. government at the time recognized that it would be much more stable uh, to and 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 manageable for the United States to keep the emperor in power. In name.
1: Again, you have uh, this sort of like faux monarchy. This,
2: speaking of which, didn't we just have the, the, the coronation, coronation in, in the
1: UK? Yeah. I saw one video of, of, you know, of a guy driving next to a crowd just yelling obscenities at everybody that was supporting the coronation.
2: <laughs> they, they have a special appreciation for curse words that Americans just don't really have.
1: As, aside from the, all the things that are absolutely gross about the UK... I think that the the one thing that they really have the edge on in regards to the rest of the English-speaking world is swearing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, there's not much else happening there. I mean, it, it's pretty much a backwater economically now, even though they're acting like it's otherwise. Jules, as a, as a resident anarchist on this show, why don't you tell us about the origins of Mayday?
2: Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> May Day 1886. Prior to this year... It was the 1st of May commemorating springtime, and you had festivals such as Dancing Around the Maypole.
1: Beltane. Mon-
2: huh? That's what the pagans
1: call it. They call it Beltane.
2: Oh, Beltane. Yes. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Get naked, jump over fires, braid the maypole the next day. It's a great time. <laughs> Fabulous experience.
2: At that time, there there was a tremendous reaction to the, the Industrial Revolution and a lot of the burdens on working people, specifically in uh, Western countries that had industrialized, that were had child labor, like we brought up earlier, uh, in horrible conditions in in the factories, with many people who had uh, just a number of decades earlier largely transitioned into the cities during during this social upheaval, especially in the United States. Uh, during this restructuring of society and social upheaval, the context here is. Oh, hold on, I have a question. So, yeah, in which
1: communist stronghold did this this uh, May Day tradition develop? Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Not Soviet Russia. <laughs> no. <laughs> right in the heart of Chicago. That, that's where those <laughs> filthy workers were were living.
2: Across the US, they workers were organizing to demand 8 hours for sleep, 8 hours for work, 8 hours for rest. The the uh, at that time they were working 12, 14, 16-hour days in the factories, partly made possible by the time clock and light and electricity. The the proliferation of electricity, uh, I I really want to paint a picture here of, of the upheaval that happened in the century of of social order and social organization. This, this is, is also a
1: picture of the uh, what were previously natural constraints on capitalism that were removed by technology.
2: Yes, the the ability to work late and and utilize lighting and and to track time, all of this. Track time in in a in an industrial sense. Of course, we were able to track time before. We weren't using fucking sundials, but
1: the but we're able the, to track worker time. You didn't need to have somebody then there like marking somebody's hand like like a tire in a parking lot, you know, or something like that when they came <laughs> on to shift and then how long they were there. The they this was you know this was a way to keep track of worker hours that was previously unavailable to management
2: generally i mean uh, prior to the industrial revolution and here sort of the the second industrial revolution uh we we did not we, basically people worked in i don't know if organic is the way to say it but like the sun goes up you you're you're working the sun goes down you go home that the 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 management by hour of people's labor the natural is clocks. Uh, yeah That's, that's what transitioned the idea of blowing the whistle. Uh, I heard somewhere recently, I I don't know if this is true, but it sounds plausible that the, the bell system in schools was implemented. I want to say in the, in the early uh, 20th century uh, where, where kids are going from class to class at the ring of the bell to get them used to, to get these, these fucking farmhands used to, uh, Working by the clock and work working by the whistle, so that by the time they get to the factory, they're already used to it. And uh, I think some industrialist was complaining that that they didn't know what to do with 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 the whistle once they got out of out of school. I don't know if it's true, but at
1: face value, I don't buy it. It seems like more like commentary about the effect of those things or the like. I don't I don't buy that there's necessarily a direct relationship between those. But yeah, you know, stranger shit has happened. So if
2: Hey, why ruin a good story with the truth? Somebody some,
1: somebody look it up and you know, educate us.
2: <laughs> but it does nevertheless reflect this tie between the 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 school to factory pipeline that was developing at that time and that or that had turn society on its head. so people are working these horrendous hours and in extremely dangerous conditions in many in many cases. And uh, in 1886 they said we're gonna have a massive strike at the Chicago and this is this this was national. this was across the US. Um, labor unions had had agreed to this. It was largely led by uh, socialists and anarchists and Marxists. So that's an important distinction. And when I say socialists here, uh, I just mean not one of the other two denominations. But if you want to get nitpicky about words, uh, socialist is, by the definition I usually use it, a broader umbrella that includes all of the above, uh, meaning democratic control of the means of production as the end goal. So that's for terminology's sake. The, The strike was massive. In specific, in Chicago, in the McCormick Works Factory... The, the strike, there there was uh, a conflict and police shot some of the strikers. In the 1800s, all the way through even the 20s and 30s, frankly, I mean, even uh, uh, going on in the 40s, it was very common for the police to be shooting strikers uh, for them. To, when they broke up strikes, uh, it, it wasn't, Hey, hey, get out of here, you shenanigan having people, <laughs> yeah, you hooligans! It was a violent, bloody affair where they're coming in with with rifles, more like a a, a domestic military than police and and one of the
1: one of the primary companies that was supplying these these armed thugs to break up strikes were the was the pinkertons
2: the fucking pinkertons who still exist today
1: and the like so you can you people listening might have noticed that just a couple of weeks ago if you pay attention to to uh, nerd culture then you might have noticed that wizards of the coast the company that publishes the magic the gathering trading cards sent Pinkertons to somebody's house because this YouTuber had somehow either mistakenly or illicitly gotten a hold of cards that had not yet been publicly released and had done an unboxing video about them. Wizards of the Coast sent actual goddamn Pinkertons to this guy's house to recover the cards. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So the so the Pinkertons are still around. They're not doing much strike breaking these days, but they're still thugs for hire.
2: And specifically against labor, they they're they're still in that racket. The McCormick Works factory uh, uh, murder of the strikers by police was then commemorated in a protest a couple of days later. That was in Haymarket Square in Chicago. In Haymarket Square, uh, the police it it was just wrapping up. It was it was starting to rain out a little bit. This is in
1: eighteen eighty six, right?
2: This is in eighteen eighty six. Uh, and, uh, we, and it, it was just, it, they were basically already about to call it a day. The last speaker was on. I, I forget who was speaking at, at that exact moment when the police came in, they said, everybody disperse, get out of here. And in this somebody, we don't know who threw a bomb into the line of police. Uh, a few were injured. One was killed and it was the, the, excuse that they needed to round up all of the top anarchists in in chicago who were leading strikes who are leading protests and even though nobody knows who who threw the bomb they use this as the their uh uh, their blank check to finally get these motherfuckers i think top anarchist should
1: be your new twitter handle
2: (laughs) top anarchist it's these these were huge people at the time. August Spies, which is kind of a funny name for <laughs> for an anarchist. Uh, Albert Parsons, per- Samuel it's Fielden. It's pronounced
1: Spies. <laughs> That makes so much. No, no, right, I'm am jo- is... joking. It's oh. it's Frankenstein.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what hump? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would totally believe it. I've only ever read it. So I, I have no idea. They rounded them up and they sentenced most of them to death. Uh, a few of them were parted a little, a little while later Two of them committed suicide Four died by hanging or, or gunshot or the point is they fucking died for this eight hour working day. And it was as a consequence of this Haymarket affair. Uh, it's they're called the Haymarket martyrs that, After that, they organized protests and it became the day that commemorated uh, on May 1st that commemorated uh, not only these individuals specifically and this struggle and their story in Chicago, but the struggle for the eight hour working day. But it gets funky in the United States because as some folks may have noticed, we call Labor Day Labor Day in September in the United States. The rest of the world calls May Day Labor Day or International Workers' Day. They don't have the same Labor Day that we do, and that is very much on purpose.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's like, uh, you know, in ancient history, they, there, there's a reason why there's no tomb of Alexander the Great, because the people at the time decided to hide it. Uh, there's, there's a reason why Hitler's body was never discovered. Uh, there, there's also a reason why Osama bin Laden's body was supposedly dumped at sea if you're going to believe the US military because
2: you didn't want to give them it's it's, it's actually in a huge warehouse where they keep the ark of the covenant yeah. and <laughs> the Indiana Jones warehouse <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> because they didn't want to they don't want to give people a place to congregate they don't want to give they don't want to create a focal point and in this case they don't want to create a focal point on the calendar and because of all these events surrounding this day specifically in the US I think that's almost undoubtedly what motivated President Cleveland to move Labor Day to September.
2: It was him and the uh, labor union called the Knights of Labor. That sounds totally um, suspicious. It's very suspicious. They 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 fizzled out not long after that. Uh-huh. They were they, probably created
1: they, just to create a. Uh, they were probably created just to generate a movement in favor of moving the holiday.
2: I mean, honestly, they they were liberal reformist style labor union they did not like the association with the more revolutionary left and uh that's why they were on board with that idea so they like grover cleveland didn't didn't like these marxists and anarchists and and the rest of the lot uh commemorating this and so they wanted to erase history they said it they're like they said it explicitly that they they did not want this to be remembered officially in the united states you can see it on some calendars. May first is officially Law Day, and uh, and on top of it, in Haymarket Square, there's this. Um, uh, I don't know if it's still there, but there there was this uh, uh, statue commemorating the police who died in Haymarket Square, and it was bombed in I want to say late like sixty eight or early seventies. I want to say sixty eight. Uh, around that time period by the Weatherman Underground. And that was directly related to this history. It it re- it really is uh, it the anarchists and the Marxists and the socialists who got the eight-hour working day that's swept under the rug. But these were the le- all of these leaders were were one of these revolutionary ideals.
1: You know, this is a this is a, just a personal aside, but in an odd kind of twist of uh, of life experience, one of my first teachers in college. For this math class was one of the weathermen.
2: Get out of town. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause uh he he worked at at uh, TVI for a while, didn't he? I'm not gonna mention Be- any which of that became... part. I'm
1: gonna leave it at oh, that okay. point. Okay. Yeah.
2: Oh, okay. I think I know who you're talking about. I heard I heard about that. Yeah. That's so funny. Um yeah, and now throughout throughout the world, everywhere except for the United States celebrates an event that happened in the United States. <laughs> What a fucking twist.
1: What a fucking twist. All those uh, Chicagoan communists. <laughs> well, this brings us down to uh, to this brings us around to a town in Wisconsin, a very small town of 1,400 people, that decided to stage their own May Day celebration back in 1950. Back in 1950, the American Legion in the town of Moisany, Wisconsin went out on, like, got dressed up secretly and went out into the streets wearing Red Star lapel pens and white armbands with the words Security Police printed on them. And with the local government's consent, staged a fake communist takeover of their town. And it wasn't even the just the, this is how they were they were commemorating May Day. They decided, like, by 1950, the memory of all this labor movement action was so far removed from the average person's mind in less than a hundred years that they saw this as specifically just like communist day and yeah to they so they chose May Day specifically back in the early '50s to create this pantomime this sort of red, red dawn cosplay of a communist invasion of the town of Moissonee, Wisconsin. <laughs> and, and this was all organized. This was all organized and inspired by members of the American Legion. You heard the clip at the beginning of the show. That was one of the guys, one of the, with the one of the few surviving guys, all these World War II vets that were, you know, that that just hated everything that was even remotely communist.
2: I I can't decide if this is more like SCA or more like the Civil War reenactors.
1: No, it's more like SCA.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The
1: American Legion, and it wasn't just them because they they roped in. It wasn't like a small group of people went out and then everybody and everybody else in the town was totally unawares. No, no. There are lots of people that were on board with this. In fact, I think everybody kind of knew what was going on, but they still managed to scare the shit out of some people with their, re- with their acting, with their, their cosplaying. The American Legion set up staged concentration camps, and there were evidently extremely realistic accounts of citizens being executed, including a live mock execution of the police chief, Carl Gewis. And... By mock execution, I mean like firing a blank round out of a pistol into his head.
2: Like uh, that Nam Pen picture with the...
1: I think that's in... I'm not sure if that's in... I think that's in Vietnam. Oh, I'm sorry. Vietnam. Vietnam non in Cambodia. But the but yeah, so they they had the there's they're standing around the guy, and the person holding the pistol doesn't look like somebody who's actually ever fired a pistol before because the way he's holding it, he's totally unprepared for how this gun's gonna recoil. And you, you
2: there's please tell me he's holding it to the side like a gangster. There, there's great there's great <laughs> bloopers of
1: this of people firing uh revolvers specifically. And not that they don't have any experience doing that. And the gun flies up and the hammer like gouges a, a hole into their forehead because they just don't <laughs> have any idea that this is about to happen. So you can always tell somebody who's fired a pistol, a revolver specifically before. Because semi automatics, they just don't recoil that same way as revolvers do. So this guy's standing there very awkwardly holding this revolver at this police chief's head. And I, you know, so. This was it, it. Was so startling that people had a reaction to this. Like people, this was something that really was. It really drew out a response from the people
2: observing this. Are you telling me a little flag that says "bang" didn't come yeah, out of it? Right. <laughs> and not
1: terribly coincidty, uh, or not terribly coincidentally, this that all this play acting was cooked up by a World War II vet named John Decker. Just a. Fi- Just a few months after U.S. Senator Joe McCarthy gave his famous speech warning about enemies from within the government, specifically the State Department. So, (laughs) you know, so McCarthy gives this speech in West Virginia, I think, also in 1950, and where he starts all this hand wringing about how many communists there were before World War II compared to how many. I mean, he didn't use the word capitalist, but he's, you know, he's talking about like, you know, how many people were in democracies as if you can't have both, you know, the, and the, and, but, you know, that, that was the way the lines were drawn. We, you know, where the economic system gets contrasted against the political arrangement, the, but the, but he, he has all this hand of that, there, you know, there's so many, there were so many communists before world war ii and now there's eight times as many but there's only three times as many democratically you know democratic uh democracies in the world and then he makes this giant claim which is totally without any kind of basis in reality that the u.s state department is absolutely infested with communists and his examples for this include... And
2: he's the one to root him out.
1: And, and his examples to back all that up during this speech were like three people that were, were found out to be like funneling secrets to Russia. Out of, yeah. you know, out of tens of twenties, thirties of thousands of people that are employed by the State Department, there were like three. This is from a piece by Brett Rosenberg.
2: The pageant began with a communist combat team. Of costume volunteers arresting the mayor and chief of police at their homes and placing local clergy and business leaders in a concentration camp. The organizing committee issued ration cards and entry and exit passes, erecting roadblocks and questioning those who came through. Local businesses got in on the action, too. The movie theater play, played reels, played propaganda reels, and merchants raised their prices. Served only Russian fare. So, so what, borscht? I can't even imagine in the 1950s that what what do people even know
1: about Russian food?
2: I can't. <laughs> I, I, I can't even it imagine. It cold like a Soviet winter.
1: I, I I don't even know what they would serve. It's like borscht and vodka. Those are probably the only two things they could imagine as far as what Russians ate.
2: <laughs> it's it's a uh, Cheerios with vodka instead of milk. That's what they eat. The movie theater played propaganda reels, and merchants raised their prices, served only Russian fare, or otherwise made market transactions a nuisance. That that part they is st- not described exactly. How
1: did they make market transactions a nuisance?
2: You gotta you gotta swipe your credit card a whole bunch of times, and then they say, "Oh, do you have a chip?" Uh, and then you say, "Oh, yes, I have a chip." We'll go ahead and insert that. You know, if they
1: wanted to make this realistic and really play into a stereotype, they would have just cleared the shelves and had like one loaf of bread. That would have been the stereotype.
2: With just a couple of pocks of mold
1: starting to sprout. Three cans of creamed corn that are already expanding because they've gone bad.
2: (laughs) A sweet shop placed a, a sweet shop. I read that as a descriptor, uh, a sweet shop place. sign.
1: That's because we it's don't have sweet, candy you know? stores anymore.
2: <laughs> a fine delicatessen, a sweet shop placed a sign on its shelves, quote, candy for communist youth members only.
1: Because <laughs> that's what they do in Russia, in Soviet Russia
2: at the end of the day according to the official schedule of events that's how that's
1: ta- how organized this was the whole thing it literally was a town townwide pageant
2: this is amazing <laughs> the entire town would cast aside their would cast aside their sub- subversive roles and join in the raising of the American flag at the end of the day according to the official schedule of events the entire town would cast aside their subversive roles and join in the raising of the American flag. Boy Scouts would burn all communist banners, etc., in a huge bonfire, before the whole crowd would join in singing God Bless America and start peacefully home, thankful to God that they live in America. (laughs) The... They're just breaking character. that's that. I mean wait a way to ruin the ruin the vibe. I mean, r- breaking the fourth wall with Boy Scouts?
1: Well, they weren't the only people who broke the fourth wall. Evidently the mayor and a reverend in the town decided to break the fourth wall by actually dying a couple of days later from the stress of the event. <laughs> 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 I, th- this is an event which, at the time, Life Magazine called Moiseny's most exciting day since the business district burned in 1910. <laughs> 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 I, I think the the best possible outcome of all of this. They really missed an opportunity here because they did something that really did not occur in any other. US cities or towns you know they did, nobody else did this this was this was such a like a bombastically conceived event they they really <laughs> missed the chance to turn this into a tradition for this town because it would have been a just a
2: tourism generator for decades and it would have it would have continued to be hilarious at, more hilarious after the the cold war and the the uh uh the the red panic the Red Scare, we're we're all wrapped up. I mean, moving into the 90s. Oh, I know. How kitschy would that be? I know if everybody got,
1: everybody in Moiseney got back together every year to reenact all of these events, including the death of the mayor and the reverend a couple of days later, then oh, I, it, it would be like would kind of say- like a, uh, like a Midwest uh, Oberammergau, you know, like the town in Germany that does <laughs> the passion play every year.
2: And they've done it for like yeah. 600 years or something <laughs> like that. I was thinking of of the Netflix documentary Wednesday, where where the town uh, reenacts this pilgrim and 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 burning witches thing. Documentary Wednesday. Have you what? No, no, no. Wednesday on on Netflix, not documentary. Uh, the Wednesday series. You said documentary. <laughs> Did I say documentary?
1: <laughs> was, you know the the Wednesday Adams story. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All events are entirely real.
1: Well, I, I think that sounds pretty good for this episode. Jules, do you have anything else?
2: No, I, I'm just going to go uh, crawl back into my Antifa. And ah, oh, these people are getting me to say it like them. It's Antifa. It's Antifa. I'm going to crawl back into my Antifa lair and uh, I'll emerge in six weeks.
1: <laughs> when, uh, when, when, la- for the, for- when labor finally has the things that they, that they want. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Wet Wired. If you'd like to help support the show and help us make more episodes like this. I, I mean, if you want to help us make more episodes like this. <laughs> <laughs> While it was fun to talk about all these things, you know, this one was uh, this one was pretty loose. <laughs> you can subscribe on Shoot Patreon. You can subscribe on Patreon at Patreon.com forward slash wetwired. And a very special thanks to all of you listeners who are already subscribing. It really does help quite a bit.
2: On social, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at wetwiredpod. Until next time. Until next time.
1: That's cool. (laughs) I I hope it'll be soon.
0: Mr. Cole, what is the exact number? of communists or subversives that are loose today in these defense plans? The exact number that is loose, sir? Yes, sir. I don't know. How, roughly how many? I can only tell you, sir, what we know about. Well, that's 130, is that right? Uh, Yes, sir, I'm gonna try to particularize for you if I can. I'm in a hurry. I don't want the sun to go down while they're still in there if we can get them out. I'm afraid we won't be able to work that. Out. Well, I've got a suggestion about it, sir. How many are there? I believe the figure is approximately 130. Approximately 130. I suppose our people, Mr. Welch, are concerned. I don't care. You've told us who they are. And how many plants are they? How many plants? How many plants? Sir, just one minute, I see 16 offhand. 16 plants. Are you alarmed at that situation, Mr. Cole? Yes, sir, I am. Nothing could be more alarming, could it? Certainly a very alarming thing. Will you not, before the sun goes down, give those names to the FBI and at least have those men put under surveillance? Sir, if there is need for surveillance in cases of espionage or anything like that, I can well assure you that Mr. John Edgar Hoover and his men know a lot better than I, and I might respectfully suggest, sir, than probably a lot of us, uh, just who should be put under surveillance. I do not propose to tell the FBI how to run its shop. It and they do it, well. and they do it, don't they, Mr. Cohn? When the need arises, of course. Then they've got the whole 130, have they, Mr. Cohn? I am sure of it, sir, and a lot Well, more. then what's all the excitement about if J. Edgar Hoover is on the job chasing these 130 communists.